Reading this morning is uh, John 6, verses 16 to 24. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. When I knew that I was moving on, I had the lovely task of thinking, what would I want to preach on over the last few weeks of being here? And so between uh, last Sunday and uh, Pentecost, we're going to be looking at some passages from John's Gospel. I love John's Gospel. It's deeper, in some ways more profound than some of the other Gospels. It was the one that was written last, and so therefore it's slightly more theological in its, the way that it is written. So when we find a passage such as this one, which appears in all the Gospels, John's one is slightly different in its version. Because often John is trying to say something more to us, um, a a deeper understanding of what is going on. So this is a passage which is very familiar to us, Jesus walking on the water. What we normally read is Peter jumping out of the boat and walking on the water as well. And I have heard countless sermons about, you know, if you want to get out of the um, you want to get walk, you've got to get out of the boat to walk on water. And that whole sense of how bold am I and how courageous am I to trust in God and to jump and join with Jesus walking on the water. So this isn't about this particularly. This is far more about the disciples and their understanding of who Jesus is. They've seen him, they've encountered him. This is early on in in, um, Jesus' ministry. They haven't been travelling with him for very long. But they've seen some amazing things. But they have questions. And I think as disciples today, we always have questions. And this helps us relate to that sense of not always having the faith and trust and confidence that we long for. And I find this quite reassuring, but also challenging in the sense of being able to go through life in confidence that Jesus is with me. So what's just happened before this passage is the feeding of the 5,000. Again, a really well-known passage where Jesus is teaching, the crowds gather, there's not enough food. The little boy comes forward with his tiny picnic. It's blessed and there's enough food for everybody with some left over. 
And you can imagine that the disciples are on a real high at this point. My goodness me, this man who we are going about with, look at what has just happened. Surely he is who he says he is. This is amazing. For Jesus, at the end of the last passage, he disappears up into the mountain. He withdrew again to a mountain by himself. It says, actually, he goes there because the people wanted to make him king. This, again, is about timing, about people's understanding of who he is. And yes, he is king, but not in the way they are thinking. And he knows what they want to do. And so he withdraws. He goes up the mountainside by himself to be with the Father. Meanwhile, the disciples are on this high, but gradually come down from it, don't they? Because it's getting dark. And it says early on, by now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Where is he? What's going on? What do we do? And we can tell that they are uncertain, that they're unsure, because they carry on regardless. They don't wait for Jesus. They jump into the boat, something they're familiar with, something they know. They're fishermen. This is the lake that they work. They fish at night and they head off across the shore. And the storm comes up, as it often does on the lake. And they're in danger, and they look out, and they see a figure coming towards them. It says it's Jesus, but at this point, they can't know it is him, because what Jesus says to them, it's me. So they obviously don't realize that it's Jesus coming towards them, and they're terrified. They're afraid. But once they realize who it is, they let him into the boat. They travel to the other side of the lake, and they find peace and security in Jesus. I love this commentary on John by Jean Vanier, and I was planning on using this anyway. It's particularly poignant because Jean Vanier died last week. Jean Vanier was the founder of an organization called L'Arche, an organization that started in Europe and but is worldwide now. And um, the whole idea is that able-bodied and disabled people live together in community. And Jean Vanier spoke so powerfully about living like Jesus in a true sense and what Christian leadership really looks like. So a real saint. And um, so it was with sadness um, that we read of his death last week. So um, it's particularly good today to be reading from him. This is what he says. The disciples who were confused and upset in the boat are telling us something about ourselves. How easily they seem to have forgotten the blessedness of the picnic with Jesus. How easily we forget. We can live blessed blessed moments of the presence of God in prayer or through an encounter with someone where we sense God's presence. Then something happens and we are plunged into the depths of sadness and despair. We forget the moments of blessedness. Doubt, anger and anguish surge up within us. We have short memories. And that is so true. It is so true that we can have these amazing experiences and assurance of Jesus with us. And we think that's never going to change. And yet so quickly, we can be feeling the opposite. Where are you, Jesus? You have abandoned me. The disciples witness an amazing miracle. They're on a spiritual high And then they go on to the next stage and yet Jesus isn't with them. And there's panic and there's confusion and there are questions. 
I imagine you know that sense of euphoria followed by anticlimax. In really simple ways, you can come to church. It can be an amazing, uplifting service. You can be praising God's glory and thinking this feeling is never going to last. You get back home and the neighbours park their car over your drive once again. And immediately you're back into a different state of mind. Or you go on holiday and you have witnessed some amazing views. I feel so close to God when I'm out in beautiful nature. Maybe you've been in the mountains, maybe you've been at the sea, maybe you've been in forests. But you've spent time just reveling in God's creation. And you feel so close to God. And your plane lands, you get back home, it's drizzling and you've got a suitcase full of dirty washing. And somehow you forget the splendour of creation. Or the fellowship we have with one another. Church weekends away, which are so good, really powerful. And we think we are so united in fellowship with one another. This will never change. But the following week we're moaning about the coffee and the biscuits. Biscuits today are a bit stale. The coffee wasn't quite as we wanted. And that sense of unity and fellowship is so easily overtaken. Not that our coffee and biscuits are stale. (laughs) How often have we felt so close to God? And even though our situations don't change drastically, that sense of being close can ebb away so quickly. And the mundane things of life come in. They may not be terrible. But that sense of closeness can disappear so quickly. And sometimes there's nothing different that we've done. Sometimes just our daily prayer life brings us close to God. But other times it doesn't. And it feels as if we're going through the motions. How can we live our life in trust and faith and confidence that Jesus is with us? Because he is. He is with us. We just don't always feel it. And when we don't feel it, we begin to question whether it's true. And this is a passage that reassures me that even when the disciples had forgotten that he would be with them, he comes alongside them. But what's interesting is that initially they don't recognize him. And that's made me think, how many times have I gone through life And Jesus has actually been there beside me. But I haven't noticed him or recognized him. Because I've got so into a state of thinking he's not there, I can't see it when he is. And I find that a challenge of actually being able to keep my eyes open and to look for where he actually is. Because I do believe that he is with me. But sometimes I can't see him because of the confusion and sometimes the feeling of being let down. Take over and I've become blind to actually spotting him where he is. The disciples didn't quite know what this figure was. Was it a ghost? But when Jesus spoke and said, don't be afraid, it's me. They then invited him into the boat. Isn't that interesting? Because Jesus doesn't impose upon us. He waits for our invitation for him to join with us. 
And I can go through life having a bit of a moan, Lord, where are you? Just when I need you, where are you? And he's probably shouting, I'm here, just let me in. Because he won't impose upon us. He waits for us to welcome him in, to invite him in, to recognize that he is actually there and say, yes, Lord, you are here. Jesus, you are here. Thank you. Let me walk with you. Will you come and walk with me? But so easily my focus is elsewhere and I don't spot him. Let me read again from Jean Vanier. The crossing of the lake was a physical reality, but it also symbolizes our growth in faith, our passages of faith. We all have to go through times of confusion and doubt. This is all part of the journey of faith. It is not an easy journey since we have to die to ourselves. Die to the desire to control situations, to control the Spirit of God, to control Jesus, in order to abandon ourselves to the Spirit of Jesus leading us. And that is so profound, isn't it? Because part of the problem of not noticing that Jesus is there is because of our need to control situations, our need to be in charge. We know and we pray, Jesus, would you, be, would you guide me, would you lead me? But how often do we let him? How often do I take my hands off the steering wheel and say, there you are, you go. You take me to the places you call me to. Because that's scary. Even though I trust in Jesus, there is a large part of me and you that wants to be in control. Especially in a society where being in control matters. We are a very able nation. And to acknowledge need can be seen as weakness. And yet we are made to need and to rely on God. And so we live with that tension. And that tension for us as Christians is that there are times when we take control and don't let Jesus in. Because it's fearful. It's easy to trust Jesus when I'm in control. But to trust Jesus when actually I don't know what the outcome will be involves a deep level of trust and faith that sometimes just feels too much. Because I know the reality that, you know, Jesus doesn't come with sticking plasters and make everything better. The brokenness of life means that sometimes the outcomes aren't what we want. The pain exists because we live in a broken world. And if we think that Jesus will come in and make everything better, we will continue to be disappointed and disillusioned. But in the midst of all that brokenness, what Jesus promises is to walk with us. I could tell you so many stories of painful times where Jesus didn't come and change the situation, but his presence in it was phenomenal. After my father died, he died very young. He died unexpectedly. He was age 63. He'd been ill, but it wasn't an expected death at that time. And my mum was devastated and confused, all sorts of questions. But bit by bit, we could see Jesus' love and provision in coming alongside her in you know, just really silly things but things that were, you know, mattered at the time. 
people that she hadn't spoken to for years, people she was at school with, suddenly got in touch. She suddenly had a new group of friends. When one of her questions was, who am I going to go on holiday with? Suddenly there was a group that she could go on holiday with. It didn't change the fact she'd lost her husband and the grieving and the pain. But we could see Jesus just meeting her at various points. If we're looking for the magic wand that takes away pain and brokenness, we'll never recognize Jesus and we'll continue to be disappointed. We need to be able to see him where he is, to stop and to look, to let go of wanting to be in charge. At the moment in our life, Paul and I would love so much to be fixed and ordered, and there's an awful lot of confusion. We haven't even got a house to move into yet. The diocese is buying one, and we trust it will be ready for us to move in, but I don't know if it will be. So we can't order, organize um, removals fans. And normally that would terrify me. But actually at the moment, because there's so much else to worry about, that just seems way away. (laughs) And there's a sense in which I have to trust that if God has called me, that even if it's all neat and tidy, it will be okay. It will be fine. It might not be perfect, but it will be fine. And he will be with me regardless, even if we have to move into a temporary house to begin with, which might be the case. It's okay, because Jesus will be there with us, and he will make it a time when we can be with him, even if it's not exactly as we might want it to be. The disciples were on a journey of realizing that Jesus was with them in every situation. At this stage, they hadn't quite got that, and they immediately switched from being so confident to being so unsure. As they travel through their time with Jesus, that confidence and faith grows. And on our journey, that is what happens with us. We'll have ups and downs. We'll have times when we're back there again thinking, there you go, Jesus, I knew you wouldn't turn up. But our journey should be one where we become more confident, more trusting, more able to carry on in the knowledge that he will be with us, even if the circumstances are not as we choose. Because it's a promise that he has for us. He longs to draw alongside us. He won't impose himself upon us, but says, it is me. Don't be afraid. Invite me in. Let's deepen our faith and our trust so that we have that confidence of Jesus with us, whatever is going on in our lives. Amen.